We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Andrew Freeman, and of course, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Usai Koshal. We are recording this episode on Thursday, October 28th, following really a disastrous game for the Chicago Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think we all kind of felt like it was going to go that way, um, based off of how we were thinking of you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just being the much better team than the Bears were before the game even started, and it kind of shaked out like that, just a disastrous performance all around from the bears and all aspects of things. But other than that, you said, you know, how, how are you doing today? And you know, what were your thoughts from that game on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing well myself personally. It was like you said, everything that we expected it to be in the sense that from the get-go, we knew that this was a different Buccaneers team. So we talked about this on last week's episode and I'll bring it back real briefly as we recap this whole thing here, but Last week when the Bucks came to Soldier Field, they had much of the same roster, but the big difference was that it was a team that was come to Soldier Field in the week five or week six. It was still kind of figuring out what its identity was. It was, quote unquote, a super team in the NFL. And again, we've seen in the past when teams just absolutely go ahead and load up on players sometimes it doesn't work but in this case because it's Tom Brady it really ends up happening now ultimately when you look at it this was a different Bucks team they came out they were firing on all cylinders there's a lot that the Bears are going to want to forget in this game I mean you go back you watch the four touchdowns that the four passing touchdowns that Tom Brady had and those are some of the only meaningful reps that I even watched to get an idea of where did this Bears defense break down so badly? Because the miscues, once again, were, as you expected, in the secondary. You look at Jalen Johnson had – Jalen Johnson, Kendall Wilder had absolutely forgettable games. Both had their worst games of the season. There was one of the touchdowns where Mike Evans was running what was a very simple slant route. You had DeAndre Houston Carson in coverage. The Bears were in zone coverage. You had Jalen Johnson, who was kind of trailing um, – 
Mike Evans the entire time. And Jalen Johnson just so happened to pass up Mike Evans to DeAndre Houston Carson. As a result, it was a miscommunication. Houston Carson didn't know that that was coming. And then, boom, the Bucks ended up punching it in for seven points. Kendall Wilder got burned. I mean, so ultimately, a lot of the same issues that we saw popped up, popped up. And then there's obviously the big storylines that are going around in terms of, hey, who's at fault here? Is it the coaching staff once again? Or is it Justin Fields? I mean, it's and I'll let you go in a second here before I expand on Justin Fields. I'm going to say this. It's difficult to go ahead and blame Justin Fields, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was, first of all, I'll start with the defense before I dig into my offense, my thoughts on the offense, because uh, the offense are just, that's another disaster to talk about in and of itself. But defensively, I think you could definitely see uh, the loss of Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks having an impact on this one. Obviously the Bears, they went to this this season wanting to have the strategy of we're going to load up on the front seven, we're going to load up on the pass rush, and you know we're, we're just going to try and get by with the secondary because you know they don't have a lot of talent back there. They wanted to see if some of these younger players like Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley could step up for them, and you know it's worked for them so far this season. But when you have Robert Quinn out, when you have Akeem Hicks out in the interior, and then Cleo Mack, who's playing with this foot injury now that he's going to miss some time with, it sounds like he's going to go on injury reserve and miss the next couple of games. Um, when you have a Cleo, got a Cleo Mack who's not the same, he's your only, you know, alpha blue chip pass rusher out there for you. That's going to create problems when your defense is predicated on getting after the quarterback. So I think that was the main problem for the Bears defense on Sunday like the Buccaneers they have all this talent and it's what I talked about earlier in my game preview you know they have so much talent with their weaponry that they're just gonna you know Tom Brady if he he isn't getting pressured early on he's just gonna pick them apart that's what happened and as a result he got his 600 touchdown of his entire career so by the way congratulations to Tom Brady for that 600 touchdowns uh obviously the first quarterback to ever do that very impressive feat for the GOAT as for the Bears offense and my thoughts there um yeah, there, there was just a ton of issues going on, and it's kind of similar to the Cleveland game where you can't just single it down to one issue. The game plan was bad. The in-game decisions from the coaching staff were bad. The play calling wasn't very good. Um, and then just like the offensive line did not show up early on in this game. Uh, Justin Fields did not have a great game. The wide receivers did Justin Fields no favor with some of the drops they made. Like there were, again, it was like the Cleveland game where, yeah, they didn't have, they didn't give up like nine sacks. So that, that's a positive, I guess. But, um, you know, this is, I thought, I thought this was an interesting stat that I saw this the other day. And the Bears, they've yet to have 200 net passing yards in a game this season. So that includes, you know, your yards from obviously throwing the ball and the passing yards you get, but that includes sacks in the sack yardage that is lost from that. So the fact that they haven't even gotten 200 net passing yards in a game this season in 2021 where passing is as easy as, as it's ever been and and passing numbers are inflated across the like Sam Darnold has thrown three touchdowns in multiple 300 yard games this season like Sam freaking Darnold's done that and yet the Bears offense can't get 200 net passing yards in a single game it's like it's ridiculous how bad this offense is and you know there is a lot of blame to go around but ultimately you know the buck kind of stops with the coaching staff here you know they've been in place for obviously Matt Nagy here all four years this is Bill Lazor and uh, John DeFilippo and Juan Castillo's second year here kind of running things and while they've certainly found some nice things in the running game Cleo Herbert was probably the only bright spot I mean they got 100 yards rushing against the best run defense in football so they're, they're running the ball really well but there's just so much there's so much wrong with this passing game and if you don't have a viable passing game 
in 2021, it really doesn't matter if you have a good running game or not. Like the running game should be secondary to a great passing game. And that's just not how this offense is built. They're built to be a running team first. And you're just not going to be successful at if you don't have an explosive, efficient passing game to kind of complement that. And the Bears just don't have that right now. And you saw, you know, some of the problems where, you know, Elijah Wilkinson went on the COVID list literally the day of the game at right tackle. So you're putting in Lechavius Simmons and I, I Lechavius Simmons might've had the worst pass blocking performance I've ever seen from a Bears offensive lineman ever, ever. Like, especially since, and I put this in my track in the trenches article that I put out earlier in the week here, but again, Lechavius Simmons just, I don't know what the coach's plan were plan was for that obviously he looks you know getting at the start like right away here right before the game he looked unprepared he didn't look ready to play he didn't look ready to start and then you had the coaching staff putting him on an island against Shaq Barrett and JPP two very good pass rushers in obvious passing situations like that is just that is just coaching mismanagement right there and obviously Chesson Fields did not have a great game he signed since where he's holding the ball on too long uh some inaccurate throws some some forced decisions here and there, but he just did not have a chance in this one. And it's, it's tough when you're off, you can't trust the right tackle to hold onto his block for more than two seconds. It's tough when you have wide receivers like Darnell Mooney, a guy who's been reliable for them all year and, and Cole Komet on third, on key third downs, dropping passes that are, are thrown right to them, or at least in areas where it's, it should be catchable and easily catchable for you would think a, a starting caliber receiver in this league. So there's just so many, so much bad with his offense and it's just I, I I haven't seen it worse in the Matt Nagy era and that's that's the problem is that it just keeps on getting worse and we're in year four already well we thought worse and rock bottom was going to be 2019 and then 2020 when there was that six game losing streak but look I want to touch real quick on who deserves the blame because if you're a Bears fan and you know you like to follow all the national media outlets as us writers podcasters and analysts do one of the things we can tell you right now is that when the national media says something about the Bears there's so much that goes into it and there's so many mixed reactions that come from the Bears fan base now it just so happens that on Thursday morning Lewis Riddick who again is very close to Matt Nagy and has had very tough conversations with Matt Nagy. He straight up went and said, he's just like, he was asked, he's just like, look, who is the guy to blame for all this dysfunction in Chicago? And naturally for Lewis Riddick, he was just like, there's three parties to blame. Number one, you start with the very tippity top with the general manager. Then you go to the coaching staff. All right. And the general manager and the coaching staff deserve the most blame again, because these are the two parties that kind of collaborated and went all in and landed Justin Fields made the move to trade up. And then you go ahead and you blame Justin Fields. Now is there's two things to look at here. Number one, do the GM and the head coach deserve a lot of blame for botching the development of an immensely talented quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you could look at some of the quarterbacks drafted over the last couple seasons. Justin Fields is definitely probably one of the top five most talented. Okay. Ultimately, when you look in terms of what he was able to do in college now, Lewis also was just like, listen, part of this is also Justin Fields' fault because Justin Fields isn't necessarily blowing anyone away with the things that he can control. So things like being able to read the defense, adjust the protection at the line, go ahead and make any sort of necessary calls, go ahead and get the ball out and throw with anticipation, all right? 
getting rid of the ball much, much, much faster than you're used to, which again, there have, there were kind of instances and shades of that on Sunday against the Bucks, but it wasn't enough. Being able to basically go ahead and not make erratic decisions with the football that may lead to unnecessary turnovers. Those are the things that Justin can control. So if you listen to Lewis's analysis, the only wrong thing he said in that was the Bears don't have a good running game, which I don't know where he got that out of because the Bears have probably a top five, top 10 running game in the NFL right now. But in terms of blaming Nagy, in terms of blaming Pace and then Nagy and then Justin Fields, it was totally warranted. And then you talk about this offense has completely hit rock bottom. If you go back in with the game plan against the Buccaneers, it was a game plan that was very similar to what the Bears trotted out against the Cleveland Browns just a little over a month ago. So there was a lot of five and six man protections. You had your tackles left on an island, which is an absurdly stupid thing to do because Alex Bars, Lacavius Simmons, Jason Peters, those guys need all the help that they can get in the world. I get Jimmy Graham wasn't playing, but you know who was in uniform? Jesper Horst said Cole Komet, JP Holtz, as well as Jesse James. You should have had those guys in to help chip block those Buccaneers pass rushers. And then there's the one concept that just, and the one play call that just sums up how bad this Bears coaching staff is and this Bears offense is. The Bears are in the red zone. They're on the verge of scoring a touchdown. You've got that um, fade concept to the tight end at the bottom of your screen, which is traditionally Jimmy Graham. But for some reason, six foot three, six foot four, I think it's like 240, 250 pound Jesper Horstead is out there, matched up against a defensive back all the way out wide, outside the numbers. That was, I thought, incredibly stupid. Just sums up that this coaching staff, this offense, they can't put their players in a position to succeed. Because if anything, you're trying to take advantage of a smaller defensive back. Well, that big guy should have been not just for horse that it probably should have been a guy like a Jesse James or a Cole Komet, someone that's actually going to win with their size in that situation. But unfortunately it didn't happen. So the bears only scored three points. And for all the people that are out there saying, Oh, well, the defense only allowed three points in the second half. Well, guess what? They allowed 35 in the first half. So only allowing three points in the second half doesn't even matter when the game was pretty much over by halftime. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it, it was a total team failure. And obviously it starts with the offense just not being able to do anything. That certainly put the defense to a lot of uh, tough positions. But I think overall, and what we're going to be talking about here with, with the topic of this podcast today is this kind of brings into the whole discussion of the big picture, looking ahead here with this Bears organization and where they're at moving forward. You know, how, what is the job security of Nagy and Pace? And, you know, 
can they survive the season if we keep on seeing these type of big game blowouts against you know the good teams in the NFL like they've been able to survive against you know the teams like the Lions and you know some of these coin flip games against you know the Bengals and the Raiders but every single time they've had to go on up against a team that is considered to be an actual Super Bowl contender and they're playing more of those type of teams down the stretch this year like they have a lot more tough games ahead you know you look at the Packers game you look at uh, to, to a degree, the Browns game, look at the Rams game. You look at obviously this game right here. Um, they haven't been even close in, in some of these contests right here. And the offense continues to get worse, which is of course a reflection of Matt Nagy. Like, is he doing enough? Like I agree that Justin Fields, you know, in terms of Lewis Riddick's point that Justin Fields, certainly he has some flaws that are, pro- you know, starting to pop up from, you know, what he had in terms of, you know, the issues he had at Ohio State in terms of holding on to the ball too not long, taking a while to process things that he's seeing. Um, you know, those are legitimate concerns with, with Justin Fields, and we're, we're starting to see that. But obviously, if you're not doing things as a coaching staff to play to his strengths and realize that, you know, he's not getting the ball out quick right now, let's try to put him in situations to where, you know, he can feel comfortable holding out to the ball and maybe try to take advantage of his athleticism and deep ball accuracy and to see what he can do there. I think that's some of the things you have to do with that. Um, and unfortunately, this coaching staff isn't really doing that. They're still relying on him, to, on him to do a lot of quick game stuff and to basically shoulder this offense on his shoulders in the passing game on, you know, bad third long situations. And, you know, they're running the ball too much on early downs. Like it, there's a whole lot of bad going on the offense. I can go all day on that, but big picture here. I think this says a lot about both the GM, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And I think, you know, a lot of, people on bears Twitter want to separate the two and say like, well, you know, Ryan Pace shouldn't be responsible for this mess right here because he traded up for Justin Fields. He has a lot of good picks on day three of the draft, you know, Matt Nagy, he's not doing a good job of the offense. You know, he's got to go keep Ryan Pace and let him continue to build a team, give him another chance at a head coach. And I push back on that. I, I, I say that, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they're a package deal. And if you're going to let go of one of them, you have to let go of both. And I think at this point, it's starting to get to the, to the point where when you look at this team, where they're at, you know, the cap situation is not great. The draft capital situation, not good at all. They don't have a first round pick or a fourth round pick next year. And they actually gave away even more future draft capital to go get you keep grants be a returner for the rest of the year. So they don't have a lot of draft capital in the next two years, which you need going forward here. They don't have a lot of cap space really in terms of like functional cap space. They don't have a lot of functional cap space to work with to really help out Justin Fields on his rookie deal and really maximize that rookie deal window. They have a lot of aging players, um, big salaries, especially on the, de- on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and there's just holes all over this roster, both in the present and going into the future. When you look at all the needs that they have next year, like there are a ton of issues with this roster and the way it's constructed right now. That is a direct reflection on Ryan Pace and his overall philosophy and strategy of how he puts together a, a team and how he how he is as a team builder, essentially. And there are just so many issues right now. And um, I mean, when you can talk about the coaching, not really maximizing these guys and not putting their players in, in positions to succeed. Sure, I can agree with that to a point. But who is the GM that decided to hire hire the head coach and stay with him over these years and trust his vision in terms of the drafting? of players and who they bring in in free agency and, and who they target and whatnot on the coaching staff. Like it was Ryan Pace who hired Matt Nagy and has stuck by him this entire way and has, you know, collaborated with him, quote unquote, 
to build this team as it is right now. This is the result that we're seeing. So this is on both of them right now. And I think, you know, if this continues where the offense continues to suck and this team cannot stay competitive against some of the better teams in the NFL, which they're going to be playing a bunch of other good teams this season, I think a change definitely has to be made with both those spots because you cannot let it continue like this and risk ruining your franchise your potential franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. You have to give him a fighting chance to be successful here. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And in terms of Pace and Nagy being tied at the hip, what's out there is that there's even a possibility the Bears could keep Ryan Pace but go and fire Matt Nagy. Now, I want to address that real quick. You, after seven years, have to realize and understand something. Is that is it really worth giving Ryan Pace a third chance when he couldn't necessarily get it right the first two times? And I think, again, people tend to really forget that the John Fox hire was – whatever it was, it was just a stopgap in place for an older head coach. That's not even working for an NFL team anymore. The Matt Nagy hire was really Pace's big splash and roll on the dice at quarterback. And that was kind of tied with Mitch Trubisky. And again, there were people calling for Matt Nagy to be fired last year anyway, too. But then you fast forward to 2021 and I think the clocks really start ticking. And I think that there's going to be a couple outcomes that happen here. Number one, the McCaskies decide to go ahead and clean house and fire both. And then the next regime is going to have its way with Justin Fields. Number two, you're going to see Ryan Pace return and Matt Nagy get fired, giving Matt Nagy I'm sorry, giving Ryan Pace a third chance at a head coach, which I also see happening. Or number three, the McCaskies look at the season and they say, hey, this season is whatever it was, but we felt like there was enough potential from Justin to warrant bringing these guys back. And so really I see scenario two and scenario, I could see, look, I could see any of those three scenarios happening. Which one it's going to be, I don't know just yet. But ultimately, I do think that in some way, shape, or form, we're going to see either Pace or Nagy back with the organization in 2022. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you're bringing Pace back, well, then you need to have a sound read on who your next head coach needs to be. And you have to look for, I think, I'm not going to rattle off any names because I know you're going to do that in a moment here, but you have to look for two things here number one get a head coach that or get a position coach or a coordinator from an organization that has been in the playoffs consistently over the last couple of years but number two more importantly get a offensive mind that has worked and fully overseen the development of a young quarterback and then in terms of that's for head coach in terms of GM well you need to find someone that's going to bring a modern day approach to football right that's going to utilize those analytics that's going to be very smart with the salary cap and say okay look how can we continue to be flexible both in the present and future not just continue to restructure guys left and right you're going to need to find someone that know when it's time to let a lot of these aging veterans go you're going to need to find someone who's going to consistently invest in the most important positions of the sport and that includes investing in a pass happy league right investing in cornerbacks something that the ravens do continuously investing in the offensive line something that the kansas city chiefs have done under brett veach and mike borgonzi those are the things you're gonna have to do you're you're gonna have to third thing to look for is gonna be hey who is someone that we can poach that's been a part of a winning organization for a very long time that can kind of come in as and basically be on the front lines building this thing whereas it is previous stop was just in the background yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good way to transition to, you know, our theoretical here, because obviously there's 
like you kind of said, there's a lot of time left in the season. A lot of, there's a lot of moving parts with you know Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and what their job status is going to be. But we're going to play the hypothetical game here because you know it's not looking good for this regime long term. I think it's safe to say that at least one of them is going to be gone after this season. And while that's not ideal for a rookie quarterback that you're trying to develop and get the most out of. This is something where I think it's just going to have, it's going to come to a point where you have to make a move here because if not, you're going to risk ruining, you know, your top pick quarterback here. So uh, getting to the hypotheticals here, let's play a game of, you know, who do we want to see hired if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are both fired or if one of them is fired this off season, who do we want to see hired in this place? And I'm going to throw up a couple names here for both spots here. You said, First, starting with the GM spot, a couple of names that are on my radar in terms of looking ahead this offseason. Uh, Ed Dodds, he's a name that I threw out there last offseason when we kind of had this conversation on this pod- podcast. Uh, he's currently the number two in that organization for the Colts. He worked with the Seahawks when they built a legion of, D- of boom and their Super Bowl team back in the early 2010s. So this is a guy that's been in multiple organizations before. He understands you know, how to draft and develop a team. He understands that, you know, it's always a good idea to trade down in the draft and try to maximize draft capital um, as much as possible. And you just look at, you know, his record in terms of where he's been at. Uh, they just always do a good job of drafting, developing, and building a solid foundation of young core players everywhere he's been. Like, I don't think it's a, it's a um, coincidence that the Seahawks have seen a massive decline in talent on their team and in the way that they've operated as a team ever since, uh, Dodds left the organizations to join uh, the Colts. Like, I don't think that's coincidence whatsoever. I think he brings a lot to the table. Now there, there are some rumors that maybe he's not looking to be a the number one, true number one guy in an organization as the GM or, or, you know, president of football operations, but I would definitely give him a call and see if he's interested. Uh, another name that is, it's definitely a, has been considered a rising star for a while in football circles is Joe Horitz of uh, he's a director of p- player personnel for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, again, you kind of alluded to, you know, what kind of strategy you want to see from a GM. Uh, I, I think, you know, the Ravens are the gold standard of how you want to run a team from a GM front office standpoint, because what do they do? They value the, the valuable positions uh, or the, the most important premium positions in the NFL. When you look at the quarterback position, the offensive line, uh, wide receivers, cornerbacks, you know, especially on the defense side of the ball, they value cornerbacks over pass rush, which is where the league is kind of trending right now, where you want to value having a very good coverage unit and then trying to scheme pressure or just trying to fill in the gaps on pre- on, uh, on your pass rush, uh, you know, through little moves here and there. But ideally, you want to have a very strong secondary. I think that's a, a good way to build a modern defense, in my opinion. And Joe Horace com- coming from that Baltimore Ravens uh, regime, you know, definitely I think could bring that to the table. Also, again, trading down the draft, understanding that you have to maximize value when you can and get as much draft capital as possible because draft picks are going to be like gold for the team moving forward because they need to get younger. They need to get more athletic. They need to get, you know, more players on cost-controlled deals rather than these big bloated contracts. Like I, I think Joe Hortz is a name that's very intriguing for me. In terms of uh, head coaching candidates, I'll throw out three names right here, and I think they're all pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Kellen Moore of the Cowboys, Brian Dable of the Bills, and then Joe Brady of the Panthers. And one thing that I like about all three of these guys, all three of them run their own offenses. They aren't, you know, the poster child or, you know, 
somebody who are, you know, trying to replicate a guy, a bigger offensive genius, like a Matt Nagy, there's no situation where, you know, you can't separate, uh, you know, the candidate from the coach that's above them. So for instance, like when it comes to Matt Nagy situation, it's tough to, to separate him from Andy Reid when evaluating him as a head coaching candidate or as an offensive coordinator, because he was always under the thumb of Andy Reid there in Kansas city. So it's hard to evaluate whether the success of the Chiefs are because Matt Nagy is a good coaching candidate and he's a good coach or whether that's just Andy Reid and you're kind of, uh, you know, hiring Matt Nagy because you think maybe he can be the next Andy Reid. Like there's not a situation here. All three of these guys have run their own offenses. You know, Kellen Moore, he's been in two head coach, uh, two coaching staffs here. When you look at Jason Garrett was there when he took over as offensive coordinator originally. Now he's under Mike McCarthy. It's still Kellen Moore's offense. Brian Dabble, he's been an offensive coordinator all across the league. He's definitely running the show on that side of the ball in Buffalo with a defensive minded head coach and Sean McDermott. And then Joe Brady, you know, we know that he's had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator, not only in the NFL, but also in college at LSU. Like he definitely runs his own offense. So those are the reasons why I like those candidates. You know, what are your thoughts on, on some of those candidates there? And are there any other candidates that you'd like to throw out there as well? Yeah. Well, for general manager, I think an intriguing name to consider and a guy that's gotten some interviews GM over the last couple seasons has been Omar Khan. He's currently the vice president of football and business administration for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he totally makes sense simply because again, this is a guy that's been a part of a winning organization. Okay. Have the Steelers had the best record over the last couple of years? Absolutely not. They've lost some talent guys like Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Some of the defense is arguably regressed as well, but Hey, they are one of the best teams in the NFL when it comes to one simple things. And that's value. That's value in draft picks value in free agency value in terms of knowing what to add and what not to add, how to build a roster. The Steelers don't necessarily underspend. They don't overspend either. They seem to have a perfect balance between, Hey, how can we go out? How can we build a team through free agency and patch up some holes in the short term, but then also figure out what is it going to take for us to fill some of those short-term holes with long-term solutions via the NFL draft. So keep an eye on Omar Khan, certainly. At head coach, I mean, Byron Leftwich is one intriguing name to watch. But then again, it's like there's the Tom Brady argument that comes into effect. What you're going to be looking at essentially is this is, hey, is what's going on in Tampa Bay? Is that Bruce Arians and Tom Brady that's doing it? Or is that legitimately Byron Leftwich's fingerprints on the offense? Now, I will say this. Of all these candidates, I mean, Kellen Moore – you look at him, he's a guy that's just shown to be an incredibly smart play caller, a guy that knows what the situation is on every single down as well. And he just knows how to maximize talent. He's also got a really bright future ahead of him. And then the two guys that really stick out to me that I think need to be atop the Bears list is Brian Dable and then Joe Brady. Now, let me start with Joe Brady. Has Joe Brady had success overseeing the development of a quarterback at the NFL level? Um, certainly not because the guy that he did help develop is Joe Burrow, who's gone on to become the future face of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Joe Brady, I think still has a really bright future. I think that he's in his early thirties. So he's like around the same age that Sean McFay is not to say that there's a correlation between hiring a guy in his early thirties and being an offensive mind. But I think Joe Brady's an outlier in the sense that he's much farther ahead of where he needs to be. 
in terms of the offense he runs, the scheme that he runs, how he puts his players in a position to succeed, how he approaches the game, how he game plans every single week. So Joe Brady is certainly a wild card. Now, the only drawback with Joe Brady is would the Bears be willing to go with someone so young and roll the dice? The other guy to keep an eye on, though, is Brian Dable. And Brian Dable, to me, is very interesting because he's been – under Sean McDermott in Buffalo since 2016 or 2017. And really he's been the one guy that's worked alongside the front office to oversee the development of Josh Allen. So Brian Dable effectively is the hottest name in the head coaching market right now, because he's overseen the development of a quarterback that once again, had a really strong arm, had all the tools, all the intangibles, all the traits and all the athleticism, but just needed to put it all together. And again, it's the same thing we're seeing with Justin Fields. Now it's a quarterback that has everything just needs to really put it all together. And if you look at Justin Fields and Josh Allen, I mean, Justin was way more polished than Josh coming out of college, but I think also in terms of the offensive scheme and pieces that Brian Dable has in Buffalo, those could translate really well over to helping Justin Fields realize his true potential and help the bears actually build an offense. That's going to have a legitimate vertical passing game. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, ultimately, when it comes to these decisions at, at GM and head coach, and I, I agree on, um, I will say, I agree on Omar Khan from the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are another organization where you know, gold standard in terms of how they run and operate as a team from the front office on down to the coaching staff. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers just get it in terms of how to build a team and how to build a consistent, competitive, winning team, um, you know, year after year after year. Obviously, having great quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger helps, but. Uh, you know, they, they just, they understand how to build a team in the modern NFL. The Steelers are a gold standard organization. You want to get guys from those type of teams to run your operations here. So I, I agree on that point, but in terms of like the head coach, ultimately what you want to see is you want to see somebody that can maximize Justin Fields. That's what it's all about at this point, because, you know, obviously the Bears identity throughout the course of their franchise history has been. They're a defensive-minded team. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense. They're going to try and win these slugfests uh, in the trenches and, and try to bully teams and win low-scoring games. Well, that's just not going to work anymore for the modern NFL. They have to modernize and get a true you know, dominant passing game and dominant offense moving forward behind a great franchise quarterback. And Justin Fields is probably the best chance this franchise has maybe ever had of having that guy since Jim McMahon probably. So – you have to do everything in your power 
as a head coach and as a general manager to put Justin Fields in a position to where he can succeed at the highest level. Got to give him every single opportunity in terms of the weaponry, offensive line, play calling, all that stuff has to go in Justin Fields' favor. And that, and that leads into kind of the second part of this conversation. And that's where we want to see this team shift to in the offseason in terms of what their strategy and, and general, I, sh- I should say general strategy should be in the offseason. So you say it, I'll start with you. You know, what are some of the things you want to see, whether, you know, Ryan Pace stays, Matt Nagy stays, or, or whether we're seeing a, a completely new regime here in Chicago, what are some of the things that based off of the way this team looks right now that, some of the things that you want to see from this team moving forward in the off season. I know, and I know, and I know it's early, but like, you know, it's not never too early, I guess, to start talking about these type of things, I guess. So what needs to happen is this, is you have to adapt and get with the times and then play addition by subtraction, basically. And that means that you're going to have to cut Robert Quinn, designate him as a post June 1st cut in 2022 um, because that's going to save about $13 million. You're going to have to move on from Akeem Hicks. You're going to have to look into figuring out whatever mess has been made of the Allen Robinson situation. But everything the Bears do in the 2022 offseason needs to basically be predicated on one guy and one thing only, and that is what is best for Justin Fields. The reason I say that is because there's a trend that's going around the NFL. We're going into year two with a young quarterback on a rookie contract. You are just consistently investing and investing and investing in that quarterback. The Bears did that with Mitch Trubisky. Remember that 2018 offseason? Well, they went out, they hired Nagy, signed Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton. They went ahead, they drafted James Daniels. But this time it's much more different because you're in a situation where this roster in 2021 is more complete and experienced than whatever that 2018 team was. Because again, the cherry on top that 2018 offseason was trading for Khalil Mack. But if you look at the Bears, here's what they need to do in 2022. It needs to go offense first and continue this trend of just drafting heavy on offense. I mean, look at the Bears. Basically, eight pick. They have got what the last eight picks of the um, or look at the 2020 draft. Look at the 2021 draft. If you look at the last three picks in 2020, that's Kendall Wilder. I'm sorry, Darnell Mooney, Arlington Hambright, Lacavia Simmons. Okay, the final three picks of the 2020 draft. That's offense. You look at the 2021 draft. You go Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, Khalil Herbert, Daz Newsome. That's basically eight straight picks of the offense. So you need to follow that up by continuing to invest heavily, and then you have to look into other key positions, right? and be smart with your money. So, hey, can we bring James Daniels and Bilal Nichols back? Can we extend Roquan Smith, or can we possibly hold that off and then kind of sign a good stopgap cornerback in free agency that's not an aging or an injured veteran? What are we going to do about the wide receiver room because Darnell Mooney's the only guy under contract? How are we going to add to that room? Are we going to go with more speedy guys, which – again, can work when your coaching staff knows how to utilize them? Or are we going to go ahead and we're going to add some big guys like Allen Robinson, you know, like a Chris Godwin in free agency, someone that can come in here and basically win on 50-50 balls every single time. So ultimately the Bears need to just continue to move in this offense first direction. You also have to look at the tackle situation, right? Hey, is – um you know, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Marm, are they your tackles of the future? Do you at least want to beef up this offensive line and bring in depth behind them? Look into replacing Sam Mustafer as well, because he was a guy that I thought was going to be a breakout candidate. 
hasn't happened. He just doesn't have the functional strength or the anchor to hold the fort down, which means that um, Mustafa is going to be on his way out in 2022 and then go ahead and bring in someone like a Ryan Jensen, for example. Yeah, I think for, again, you kind of nailed it on the head there, but they had to invest on, on the offense. And, and even if that means, you know, having to sacrifice the defense this year, this off season, in order to fix this offense, like priority number one has to be to fix the offense and give Justin Fields a chance to succeed. Like you cannot go into, in my opinion, you cannot go to 2022 with Darnell Mooney as your only functional weapon on offense and, you know, whatever they have on the offensive line right now as the only option right here. Like they have to go all in on getting this offense to at least be functional and it just isn't functional right now. And that's again, that, that can be helped by a new coaching staff, but you know, they also need legitimate talent in here because this offense is just not up to snuff with the talent that we're seeing on offenses around the NFL, around these young quarterbacks. So I think, you know, the first thing we need to see is they need to invest in the weaponry, I think, especially in free agency. And while you brought up some big names like Chris Godwin, for instance, you know, what do they do with Allen Robinson uh, here? You know, Mike Williams is another name to watch. Uh, there are certainly, you know, Cameron Sutton, another very good wide receiver who's going to be on the market this offseason uh, at wide receiver. You know, and, there, and there's also going to be a lot of tight ends on the market as well. Um, O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, uh, Dalton Schultz, just to name a few. Like, there's going to be a lot of, you know, talented players that the Bears can sign here. Unfortunately, the Bears, when you look at their cap situation, it just doesn't look like they're going to have a ton of room to make a big splash, in my opinion. So if you can't make a big, spl- big splash on one or two guys, what are some of the things you can do? Well, I, I think investing in – you know, multiple guys and going for volume is something that the Bears should try to be interested in because they don't need just one receiver here to fix this, you know, their weaponry situation. They need multiple guys here. Like I said before, you do not want Darnold Mooney to be your only viable weapon in the passing game. Like I I think Darnold Mooney is fine as a number two wide receiver, but he's definitely not a number one wide receiver. And if you're not going to be able to get a true number one to compliment Darnold Mooney this off season, getting, two or three guys to that complement his skill set, I think would be very nice. So some of the guys that I'm looking at personally right now, uh, Tim Patrick on the Broncos, he makes, I think a lot of sense. Uh, um, you know, I think he's a guy that you can get on a pretty cheap rate. Uh, Jameson Crowder, uh, a veteran slot receiver is going to be on the market next year. I take a look at him and, you know, honestly, I wouldn't mind bringing in more speed like Will Fuller in here. I think he's going to be um, on, on, in in the running for a cheaper deal because he's had a pretty rough year uh, this season with the Dolphins. So if you can get him on a one-year deal uh, for a pretty cheap rate, why not try to bring more speed to this offense and more explosives right here? And in terms of the offensive line, you know, I think the big thing for them is they need to try to get a legit center in here, whether that's in free agency or in the draft. You know, you brought up Ryan Jensen as a potential option. I think Ryan Jensen would be a great add if they had the budget to go get him. I'm not sure if they will. Had to go, had the budget to go get him, but you know he's a top five center in the NFL right now, and he would be a massive upgrade, massive upgrade over what they have in Sam Mustafer. But outside of that, you're hoping that Tevin Jenkins can solidify. I think the right side, you know, I'd like to see Tevin Jenkins just stay at right tackle, and you know, I'm not high on just going with Larry Borm as your only option at left tackle. So, I think they should definitely try to get some veteran competition for him at that spot. Again, like the money's just probably not going to be there to get like a guy like Teron Armstead, for instance. So they're probably going to have to go cheap at that left tackle position. I wouldn't mind bringing Jason Peters back for one more year. If he wants to play again, he's going to be 40 years old. So 
who knows if he wants to even play, but if you can convince Jason Peters to come up, to come back and play for you, I, I don't see any, I don't see how it hurts, you know, having him come back on a one-year deal at a pretty cheap rate. So I can see them making that option. And, you know, and if uh, I will say this, if James Daniels continues to play like he has over the past couple of weeks, like he's been very consistent this year. I don't think he's a top guard uh, by any means, but I think he's definitely an above average guard, a very consistent player. So uh, if you can find a way to keep James Daniels, I'm all for that as well at that guard spot. Now, in terms of the drafts, you know, obviously trading down will help, but they just need to continue to attack those positions. Wide receiver, you know, add a couple more dynamic athletes at tight end, offensive line. They just need to keep on attacking those positions and um, just hoping that they can find a combination that sticks for them because, you know, again, this defense, they still have a lot of talented players. I think they can get by with an average defense with, you know, Cleo Mack, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Jalen Johnson, A. Jackson, and, you know, just a bunch of guys surrounding them, you know, veteran minimum conditions, late day three picks. Like, I think they can get by with that. But the offense, they have to get that to the top half of the league as soon as possible. And that just starts with investing as much as possible there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So last thing I want to cover before we preview uh, and do our predictions for this upcoming game against the 49ers, um, the trade deadline is coming up for the NFL here, I think in the next week or so. So one of the last things I want to do here, you know, assuming that, you know, we're going this uh, into the mode where the bears and they might have to be sellers here at the trade deadline, where at least I would think it'd be the smart move to be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, we're each going to do one move each. We, we'd like to see the bears make at the deadline. You say it, I'll start with you. What is the one trade you'd like to see the bears make at the trade deadline, whether it's bringing somebody in or trading somebody out. Well, I think trading someone out is one of the most logical options. And, quite frankly, the only option for the Bears. I mean, the Bears, and you mentioned this earlier, they don't have a lot of salary cap space going into next season. And then there is already no first or fourth round draft pick. So you're kind of limited on draft capital anyway. So you're going to have to ship someone out to recoup some of that lost draft capital. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a couple teams calling on wide receiver Allen Robinson. And the reason that I say that is because, look, if you're a team right now that – believes you're on the verge of contending and you think you have what it takes to contend this season and you're missing a piece or two, you know what? Allen Robinson's the type of player that you call about because yeah, teams are super aggressive in this day and age, and they're going to want to go ahead and kind of maximize whatever Super Bowl window is open right now, or even just window to go ahead and contend. And so I would just go ahead and say that, you know, a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, you could throw out there, right? They could go ahead and make a call for Allen Robinson. I mean, they have Joe Burrow. I get Jamar Chase is there playing phenomenal. But, hey, the Bengals, I think, have been kind of a pleasant surprise this season. And then another team, and this is a team that I always feel like I throw out there when talking about Allen Robinson, but the Baltimore Ravens, for example. Okay, I think that Marquise Brown as well as A-Rob would complement – 
each other really well. It would also be another step forward for Lamar Jackson as a passer. And then you take a look at some of the other guys that could be traded on the Bears roster. I mean, Akeem Hicks has an expiring contract. He certainly should not be back. So you have to ship him out. I think you could trade him off for a fifth or a sixth round pick, kind of a bit similar to what the Ravens got when they traded for Calais Campbell a couple of years ago. And so ultimately, I mean, I think, Robinson and Hicks right now are your two most expendable trade assets and both aren't going to be back in 2022. So ship them out, get something meaningful in return while you have a chance and also do this is that make their contract extensions, the next team's priorities, because it shouldn't be the bears priority anymore. Yeah. I'll throw another name out there. Uh, David Montgomery. I, I wouldn't be opposed to, if you can get like a fifth or fourth round pick for him, maybe see if, if you can, you know, convince a team to take on it, you know, take him on um, this year because, you know, running backs are expendable in my opinion. And Khalil Herbert looks really, really good uh, over the last couple of weeks as a starter. But yeah, I agree. Allen Robinson and Akeem Hanks are probably going to be your two biggest names in terms of guys that probably have the most value to return to you. And in terms of, I've already thought about a couple of scenarios for both of those guys in terms of what they can bring in return. So I, you know, if you want to roll with me on this, you know, Alan Robinson, I think one trade destination that you didn't mention that I think would make a lot of sense would be Kansas city, you know, Kansas city, while the problem for them this year, isn't their offense necessarily like they're, they're turning the ball over a ton this year, but you know, their defense is really bad, but I think their front office is smart enough to recognize that, you know, they can get by with, if they can just fix a couple of things on the defense without investing too much on that side of the ball that they can be competitive enough to where, you know, if their offense is just unstoppable, they can win a lot of games against the playoffs and give themselves a chance at winning a Super Bowl. Like a lot of their issues are, you know, self-inflicted wounds on the offense, turn the ball over too much. But one thing that can help them is by getting an actual number two wide receiver for them because they don't have that guy right now. It's, it's Tyree kill. It's Travis Kelsey and a bunch of guys right now for the Kansas city chiefs offense. And while Patrick Mahomes is great enough to make them a really good offense and they have a good enough offensive line to where you know they can make that work you know what can make them take that next step up to where they've been in the past while getting another really good wide receiver in here so the trade i thought would make sense you know for them uh you know al robinson to kansas city the, the bears would obviously have to eat a lot of salary i think to make this work on the salary cap for the chiefs here but uh the bears would get a 2023 conditional compensatory third round pick in return so basically what that would mean and that situation would be that, you know, if the Chiefs, they decide to let Allen Robinson go and they get a third round pick, compensatory pick in return when Allen Robinson gets a big deal in free agency, the Bears would get that pick from the Chiefs. If not, the Bears would get a fourth and a fifth round pick in 2023. I think that would be fair, a fair deal for both sides, um, for both teams here, really. Uh, and then the Keem Hicks, I think the, the most logical trade destination for Keem Hicks is the Chargers. They need more beef up front for their defensive line. They've been struggling to stop the run all season long. Akeem Hicks, while he's been injured a bunch this year and clearly isn't the same guy, um, I still think that when he's healthy and when he's rolling, he's one of the better interior disruptors in the NFL. Um, and you know, in terms of what value he can bring, I'm not sure, again, if the Chargers would be willing to give up a lot. But like you said, I think a conditional sixth or fifth round pick would make a lot of sense in 2022 that the Chargers would give up. And again, the Bears would probably have to eat a significant amount of Akeem Hicks' salary with the signing bonus to make that happen. But again, I think those are, are worthy trades to consider for the Bears here. And like you said, I think, you know, while I don't think that's going to happen because I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they're still coaching and, and, and pretty much playing for their jobs here. Their jobs are on the line. I, I don't think they're going to sell. 
it would make sense if you're looking at this thing from a long-term perspective to try and get as much draft capital as possible to help Justin Fields in the future because this team right now this year, they're, they're not going anywhere in their current state and they need to set themselves up to be you know better in 2022, 2023 and, and going forward from there. All right, so that's going to bring us then to the last part of this podcast here and that's breaking down this Bears 49ers game. Definitely, you know, a chance for the Bears to bounce back here. You say, I'm going to go with you. Who do you have winning this game? What's the score for this one? And who's going to be your X factor in this game? Okay, so X factor, I think, once again, is going to be the Bears offensive line. I think when you look at the 49ers, look, do they have some really solid players in D Ford, Nick Bosa, as well as Fred Warner? Yeah, absolutely. But then again, it's just like when you look at San Francisco overall as a team, they started off 2-0, and and they are now 2-4. and They're on the verge of basically five straight losses, okay? Well, I should really say four straight losses. Could be a fifth one this Sunday, depending on what happens. I think that, yeah, the Bears, despite having no Robert Quinn um, due to COVID and then no Khalil Mack either, who's expected to go on injured reserve, what's going to happen is you're going to have to rely on your youth. That means that players – and then Akeem Hicks' status could be questionable as well, depending on how his groin feels, because he's going to try and play through it, but you also don't want to re-aggravate it, right? So the Bears are going to have to go ahead and rely on guys like Travis Gibson, get the pass rush cranked up. Um, Then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, continue to feed Khalil Herbert. It's suspect 49ers secondary, so open up that passing game a bit more. See what Justin Fields is able to do. Um, you know, get the bottle of Robinson Mooney, see what extra work they've been putting in over Zoom and actually on the practice field. So I'm going to say the Bears end up winning this game 20 to 14, just because it's going to come down to the offensive lines for both teams, number one. But then also number two, I mean, who's going to be the quarterback that avoids making critical mistakes and turnovers and then is able to go ahead and lead their team to a win and make the biggest play in the right moment? Yeah, I think this is going to be a Bears win as well. I'm going with a low-scoring game as well. 17-13 uh, Bears at home. I think they bounce back here. I think this team has shown enough resilience in the past that you know, when they get blown out like this and beaten poorly and embarrassed that they have a tendency to bounce back quickly and, and put some doubts to rest in terms of, you know, getting back into the win column. So I think they're going to have, it's going to be a tough game. Obviously the 49ers are a, are a, you know, a talented team. They've, they've struggled so far this year, but it's going to be a low scoring affair, I think. And my X factor is going to be Justin Fields. You know, can he bounce back from what was maybe his worst performance of the year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, three interceptions, two lost fumbles, like um, not a lot of good, not a lot of good from Justin Fields against the Buccaneers. You know, how can he bounce, bounce back? How can he respond to that performance here? I'm looking forward to seeing that in terms of, you know, how this team will fare as a whole. You know, I think, again, I think both offenses are going to struggle. You know, I, I think Jimmy G is just Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback. And, you know, even with Cleo Mack out, I expect Robert Quinn to be back healthy. I expect uh, Akeem Hicks to be healthy in this one and playing and, you know, I think their pass rush, you know, Trent Williams, it sounds like that he might be questionable to play in this game at left tackle for the 49ers. So if he doesn't play, that's a huge boost for the Bears chances in this game. Um, so I, I think the defense, they're going to do enough to, you know, pressure Jimmy G and force him into mistakes. Jimmy G is not a very uh, risk adverse, or I shouldn't say risk adverse. He's not a very uh, aggressive quarterback anyway. So I think it's just going to be a game where, you know, the Jimmy G is going to try and dink and dunk his way down the field. They're going to try to run the ball in the Bears defense. 
I think the Bears defense is going to step up and have a good game this one. The offense, though, though, does have to step up here. Justin Fields needs to have a better game this one. The game plan needs to be better. You know, I expect them to run the ball, like you said, you know, pretty heavily with Khalil Herbert. I think he's going to have a pretty big day. Um, but I am really scared about this offensive line against Nick Bosa and uh, Armstead and, and some of the pass rushers that this team has on the 49ers. So if the offensive line can hold up, the Bears could actually score more points, in my opinion. But I'm going to go conservative here and say 17 to 13 is a score for this game. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here at Picks for Pace. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace there. And, you know, just follow us on Saturdays, you know, while college football is on. Obviously, we did not talk a lot about college football this week, but, you know, there was a lot of big picture stuff to discuss, you know, today with this Bears team. So we'll hopefully get some more college football stuff next week and we'll see what storylines are there to talk about next week as well. Uh, you say it for you. Where can our followers find your work and follow you on social media? Yeah, guys, so you can follow my work on the Bear Report. Follow me on social media at Usaid Kosha. I'm always promoting and talking about Bear stuff for multiple outlets. So check all of that out and interact with me. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow and check out his work. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Make sure to check out my Track in the Trenches series, which I put out every single week following every single Bears game, breaking down offensive line and defensive line play uh, in the passing game. And then for all of our fans of film review type stuff on YouTube, make sure to check out the Bear Report YouTube channel where I do some film work for the Bear Report. Um, every for I try to do every single game. Uh, this week I will not be doing a game for the Bucks game. You know, for one, I just kind of don't want to with how bad that performance was. You know, but you know there was some other stuff uh, in, in my personal life this week that will keep me from having the time to do a video this week. So not able to do a, uh, a video for the Buccaneers game, but I do have a special project coming up in the future focusing on Sean Desai and what he's been doing with the Bears defense. So definitely keep an eye out for that going forward here. I'm hoping to have that out by the Bears bye week. We'll see what happens with that. Once again, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in on all podcasting platforms and make sure again to give us all a follow on social media and you know follow us along here for this bear season. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for the bear report. You know, hopefully we get to see a bear. I should say that's going to wrap it up, wrap it up for us here at Picks for Pace. Hopefully we get to see a bears win on Sunday. To all of our listeners out there, have a great, fun, and safe weekend. We'll see you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.